You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg... This is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Fortune Favors, the fans, the Fans First Sports Network betting podcast. This is week two, our second show. My name is Macon. I'm joined here with Chris. We're back, and this week we've got a new slate of games. We've got a lot of interesting games to get through, some off-the-radar games, prop bets. Same format as last week. The only difference is we're going to start the show this week talking about some of the bets that maybe didn't go our way or were just more unexpected outcomes. These could be true bad beats, so I don't believe we have any absolutely terrible bad beats from the previous week. Most weeks, it's going to be anything from a backdoor cover to maybe you were just incredibly wrong about something. Whatever the case, it's how we'll start. Now, I'm going to let Chris run first. Chris, welcome back. How, how did your week go? What were some of those bets you just really wish you had back? I actually did pretty well. So I, I'm a big, like, especially college football because there's so many games. I like to do, um, for personal bets at least, not necessarily for my picks in this podcast. Um, I do, like, a, a parlay for each time, like, for each game slate. So for I'm on the West Coast, so 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and then usually it's just the Pac-12 after dark, but sometimes there's a, like a, a Mountain West Conference game or two. So I used to like, I typically do parlays for that, and I did pretty well. I hit, I hit two um two of my of the of the five slates which like if you're doing parlays they pay out so like i had hit the nine o'clock slate and it paid for my bets for the day and then i hit again at the four o'clock slate and so i was just like in winning money for the day but um 
a couple personal ones that did not hit bad for me or did not hit well for me was uh, I, I think I even talked about this on the pod last week. Um, I took Colorado and TCU to go under 63. Uh, they like hit that in the first half. So there was just no shot there. Um, and then uh, uh, Nevada plus 38 to cover against uh, USC. Man, I mean, I don't know. I can't, I couldn't tell if Nevada was just, offense was bad or or usc's defense just woke up this week i I don't know that was really that was a weird one and then uh, i had a you know like the picks on the pod i made last week cal versus north texas under 54 cal blew that out by themselves because they just blew out north texas um oregon state versus san jose state under 54 and a half the pac-12 just came guns a blazing on saturday so you know oregon state damn near hit that themselves um and then another under that didn't hit and virginia versus tennessee i 55 and a half and they got 62 i mean i think that was we talked about the 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 rule change with the first down and i don't think it impacted that much at least for the for the over-unders Sorry, I was checking something for mine. Yes, I I don't. I mean, here's what they talked about. One thing I thought was interesting was that um, they said, actually, well, I, impact on the field, I think we're still going to learn over the next couple of weeks and really yeah. see what it ends up being. Yeah. One of the things I think that's really controversial, really big right now to talk about is the fact that total game time from a fan perspective, as in viewership time, is the exact same. Yeah, that was back- funny. They've just backfilled that with ads. So whatever is going on on the field, I think Vegas is. I think Vegas was accounting for this maybe more than we thought. You know, they're always seeming to be a step ahead of us as betters. But I think that the biggest thing for fans is this didn't improve your watching experience. It just made ESPN more money, and that's like kind of a a goofy way to look at it. Yeah, because um, the commercials didn't feel longer than normal. I think where it caught you was you just seemed to have. I saw it broken down somewhere how they did it, but they just they just crammed more in yeah. when you weren't expecting it. It it really I think because we're so used to the games being three and a half hours to four hours, we just didn't notice that they were doing it. Like we're used to spending this much time watching a college football game. It's only in hindsight when I thought about some of the games I was watching, where I was like, it really feels like we're moving along, but I'm still looking up at the clock, and the first half was over an hour and a half. And yeah, that, Sunday the Sunday LSU Florida State game was the only time I felt that. And that's because that was the only game on. So you're, you're just sitting there only watching that game. You can't flip through the channels or whatever. Yeah. And that, that's, that's, you know, I think if you were really scrutinizing it, maybe you'd pick it up. But I, I think we're all just as terrible as this is for the people in the stadium at home. We're just used to this. We are just used to this. So the month of the pretty flagrant cash grab of it all aside, we're going to get over it. Uh, my bets were I did. I did well last week. I had, I had a really strong week. Um, all things considered, both in our personal bets and some of the ones I did on the side. The ones that I think were most notable, first and foremost, the tech loss was tough. You raced out 17 to nothing. The spread was 14. It really felt like that was going to be a cruise to victory moment and pick that one up. So that that sucked end up not only losing that bet, but for tech to lose. But what is interesting about this game is I had the over six total team TDs and this covered in overtime. So, you know, kind of a little bit of a, a mixed blessing there. Um, otherwise, I really, really, really think it's funny. I took Colorado 
just kind of on a whim. I, I really wasn't certain about the prime experiment. I was kind of banking on TCU not being particularly great. I had no idea that game was going to turn into such a shootout. Yeah. Um, and then my worst bet of the week by a wide margin was Boise State plus 14 and a half. Just got absolutely curb stomped by Washington. I mean, yeah. I don't know if Boise State's not for real or if the Mountain West is going to have a new king, but they they were awful in this football game and Washington just knocked them up, beat them with a baseball bat. Well, the thing is, like the top of the Mountain West, like San Diego State and Colorado State, like other teams that are that are going to be a little bit better, they actually played pretty well this week. It was only like, it it was, it was the like middle of the pack that didn't play well. So it's kind of hard to gauge that moving forward. I feel like. Yeah, and I mean, look, like Tech just lost to Wyoming at home. I, I yeah, Wyoming the, too. Yeah, I, I watched that game closely. I I have opinions about Wyoming, and <laughs> I I think Tech just played a spectacularly bad brand of football. But the reality is, is a Boise State's going to play that badly in week one, you got questions about it because they, they were the favorite. They were the heavy totally. favorite to come out of the mountain West. So that I think shakes that up. And that was by margin, by any estimate was the worst pick I had. I mean, I, I, I was very confident in that one and they just came out and laid a total egg on that bet. Um, now we're going to move back into a section that we did last week, which is our three off the radar games. These are games that Maybe they're not particularly watchable if you don't have an interest, a.k.a. money on the line. Or maybe you're just looking for more of a reason to enjoy some extra college football, whatever the case may be. Or maybe you're just a degenerate gambler. doesn't really matter to us. We're here to help you out with a couple of games. Um, these are games that are just against the spread. But th- we have five games at the end of the show that are going to be the Power 5 games of the week. These are not them. These are going to be your, your middle-tier Power 5 teams, your group of five matchups. Your C games, would you like to flip to while you're looking for something in between the new extra commercials that we're all dealing with? So, Chris, let's go to you first. What's your first game here you've got for us this week? Megan, I'm warning you now. I'm going heavy West Coast bias on these. Because I, I just I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> um, so my first one is uh, the team that I just talked about in the Mountain West, San Diego State. Um, they're playing UCLA. Um, San Diego State scored. Look, San Diego State scored 36 points um, this past weekend. Uh, I don't know what to make of them. They always seem to be in on the hunt in the Mountain West, but I don't think they've ever quite won it in recent history. I want to say 2021, they were in the championship game, but I think they lost Nevada. Correct me if I'm wrong. I can't uh, do that off the top of my head. Um, And UCLA looked very underwhelming against coastal Carolina. Like I, I, I was a little bit concerned about that. It was a late night pack 12 after dark game. So probably a lot of our listeners didn't even know about that game. Maybe they saw it on the box score. They put the, I would say because most, you know, fans live on the East coast. They just, they didn't see it. I, I mean, I was sitting at a bar, watching it um uh, with a friend and we had plans to go out it was, it was like a pregame so like i don't expect a lot of people but they didn't they didn't do look very good they didn't they didn't play very well so i kind of like san diego state to cover 13 and a half in this first game i i always am a fan of san diego state i've been a fan of that program the last several years i i think that's a program that's steadily getting better and it's it's been a big boost to the mountain west to have them steadily getting better you know a new stadium though that's kind of a bit of a mess i could see him covering pretty easily and 
I like the pick. I, and I, I respect the West Coast bias. Last week, I was all over the tech game <laughs> just because that's all I knew. I respect going with what you know when you got money on the line. Uh, my first one, I got Texas State 12 and a half versus UTSA. I would have loved to known what this would have been if Baylor had actually taken care of business. I bet you could have seen this in the 20 range, 20 plus range. I got to be honest. I don't think Houston's very good. And UTSA was had a real dog fight against that team. So, you know, take that for a grain of salt. On top of that, this has all the makings of a letdown game. You know, they feel like they got screwed against Houston. I've seen Jeff Trailer talking about that through Sunday and Monday. I think there was a, uh, the, the complaint is about a spot on a third down. Granted, I think Houston would have been in fourth and short. You got Donovan Smith, who's 6'5", like 240, I believe. He was falling forward for it. So everybody needs to shut the hell up about that call anyways. <laughs> but you got you, this has all the makings of UTSA coming out sluggish. Texas, I, I get why you might want, want to touch this. Texas State is the same problem. Just beat up on Baylor. A lot of high energy now have to come down and play somebody else. But I think Texas State is right in a wave of momentum UTSA doesn't have. 12 and a half is a big line for these G5 teams that I I really don't, you know, UTSA was on kind of on the radar at the top 25, but they lost to a not very good Houston team, folks. That Houston team's going to struggle this year. Even Cougar fans, I think, would tell you that this win over UTSA doesn't change their perception of that. So I, I, I think, you know what, it's also just a fun story to see Texas State, after years of struggling, finally pull it together. So I think 12 and a half, maybe it's a risk with everything going in, but you're talking about two teams and a letdown. I, I, I like the one that's got some momentum going for them. Uh, they're going to come up later on uh, again in this podcast. I have them. I have them in the next the next segment. So it's interesting. I'll I'll save my thoughts on that for for that one. Um, okay. So my next my next on the radar. Um, I'm going to go uh, Homer again. Uh, I have Cal. Um, I think that they can cover six and a half against Auburn. We saw this Cal offense looked. I, I get it. It's North Texas. They just moved up to the FBS. They just moved in the American Conference. We didn't really know too much about them. Maybe you did because you're a Texas local. Maybe you can have more to shed on them. But Cal lost their starting quarterback in the first first quarter of this game. Their backup came in, absolutely slaying it. They put up a lot of points against that Texas team. That Cal, that Cal running back core is insane. I'm so glad that they kept out. The rumor is that he was being recruited to um, – to LSU to come uh, in the transfer portal. He stayed at Cal. So happy he did. They Cal classic football is ground and pound. I was talking to a friend about this this past weekend. What they do best is they recruit running backs. It goes all the way back to JJ Arrington. Then it was Marshawn Lynch. Then it was Justin Forsett. Then it was Javid Best. Then it was Shane Vereen. I mean, they just know how to run the ball and they always have. And it's just kind of like an identity of ours. So, and the SEC, we saw a lot of mid-tier SEC teams this weekend not play so well. I think the Pac-12 is stacked this year. Do I think Cal can win this game? I don't know. I if you know, maybe ask me off pod, not talking about gambling stuff, but uh, I think that they can cover the six and a half points, or at least make it close. It, I, I I would. I don't know. Maybe it's the bias of me, but I I I just really like this line, and I, I think that they can. I think they can do it. 
See, for me personally, looking at this game, the over-under for this game is sitting at uh, uh, 54 and a half. Yeah. I would have taken the over in this game comfortably. Do I think Cal's going to cover against Auburn? I just don't know. I just don't have a feel for either of those teams yet. Yeah. I don't know much about North Texas. I know they're not very good. I mean, I think there have been better North Texas teams. Um, I'm not certain there was the fact that even here in Texas, there hadn't been any real discussion about them probably speaks to that. But could Cal really come out and put on a show against Auburn? It wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world because I'm also not that comfortable with Auburn at this point of the year. And I think that, you know, if you're going to have some of these crazy games, the earlier they're being played, the more likely we get kind of dumber outcomes and more unusual outcomes. Uh, My next game here, and this one is a game that I think is more a testament to what Appalachian State's been doing more so than what they're doing this year. App State's get 19 against North Carolina. If you don't remember this game last year, this was one of the craziest finishes in college football last season. I think App State is perennially undervalued. And not only that, North Carolina is coming off of a massive win against South Carolina that has to gear up for an App State team that maybe isn't on their level, but is always very well coached and very scrappy. 19's a big line to cover after a game like they just had in week one. Uh, App State didn't have the greatest week one. They did win comfortably, but it was against really weak opponents. And you would have liked maybe a bigger margin out of that game. But I, I think that, you know, I'm a big believer that week one, week two, after these huge opening matches is when you see some teams slack off a little bit. It's easy to take your foot off the gas a bit when you just knocked off South Carolina in kind of commanding fashion. And not only that, it's it, as much as I think people have come to respect App State, it's still App State. And I think there is a sense that UNC will overlook them. You get 19, it's worth dropping a few bucks on just to root for them because, you know, App State just seems to have the upset juju. If there's any indication from the past, uh, they'll be competitive in this game. Uh, Okay. So don't you think that, I don't know why I'm blanking on, on, oh, Drake May. Don't you think Drake May could come into this game guns and blazing trying to like make his Heisman pitch, especially after last week when you had just like everybody and their mother who was in the Heisman conversation, just absolutely sling it. Whether that be Hunter's case in, in, uh, in Colorado, I mean, doing everything on the field, like don't, could that be in the back of his mind where it's just like a different game? I I think, you know, I, I don't want to speak to what Heisman competitors really do how they think about stats during the year. Cause you'd like to believe you'd like to believe these guys aren't trying to run up the scores because they, you want them to play to be the best, but if they're worrying about their, their Heisman finish this early in the year, you're going to have problems very quickly that that mm-hmm. just will get you in trouble both in the locker room. And it's going to get you in trouble on the field. You're going to make mistakes. You otherwise couldn't have. He's a great quarterback. I think UNC is clearly the better team in this matchup, but the questions, you know, I have with Mac Brown coaches teams is, playing down to your competition and you know we we i i think that if you're if we're talking about heisman stuff there is a lot of pressure on him to be perfect every week to accomplish his goals he does not have many left i think he'd like to win the heisman i think there's real pressure on him now i mean travis hunter i think should be your front runner that 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 to me is the best player in college football right now but you got caleb williams who's leading a usc offense that has to score 60 a game you know you've got uh uh all kinds of players that are trying to get into that conversation. All there's so many great games being played across the board. Um, you had the kid transferring out of Clemson 
who just put on a show in week one. I mean, there's just a lot of noise. So does that factor into how he plays? Does he look to really try to make a statement win? I think every week you look for a statement win, and 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 that's how college football players attack it. That's how true competitors do. But it, it's if he's thinking about it now – you're going to have some issues. You just, you can't be, you can't be playing to win the Heisman. You got to be playing to win the game. Yeah. And I, I don't, I, that's not, I know it's not good gambling advice necessarily to give that and to have that th- th- thought in your mind. But like when I'm on my app and I'm making the bet, it's kind of hard not to think that, you know, like yeah. it, the, the garbage time necessarily. Um, like yeah, and who's shooting for style points, especially for you guys out there for over-unders, is important to note, right? Like, I was never going to yeah. play for style. They're always going to be shooting for the under. So if you're ever like, this line feels good, just remember, if they're beating up on somebody, the dogs are getting called off because they just don't want to score, yeah. right? Like, they, they already in week one didn't break the 25 points they have to have for friends to keep his job. So, you know, they're, 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 that's it, I think it's something to say in these games. In this instance, I what is a quarterback going to do? What is Mac Brown going to want to do? It, it's a question. I think I personally just think this is going to be a competitive game. I think North Carolina comes out slow. It's Mac Brown's nature. His teams play down. He did it at Texas. That's why they eventually got rid of him. Was diminishing returns and playing down your competition. So we'll see. I mean, if he comes out and really wants to make a Heisman statement, just keep that in mind, folks. If he's really, if they're playing to get him into that conversation, they could just run rule App State, and then this is the nineteen is nowhere near it. But it's it's up to what you factor in for that conversation this early. Uh, think about think about it's the same thing with Caleb Williams to consider. Same thing of anybody you think's on that radar. Yeah, and I mean, App State's been good since they upset Michigan in early 2000s. So, I mean, definitely something to keep in mind. I uh, maybe this is a cheating one, but um, uh, I, I, in terms of under the radar games, and I, you know, this is the best one I could find real analysis for, and it's just so juicy. I feel like I had to tell our listeners. Colorado minus two and a half over Nebraska. I just feel like that's a joke line, and that's easy money to me. Oh yeah, I mean. The Especially only reason, last week. I mean, like, yeah. what, what are we talking about? Like, this, the, the fact that it's still at two and a half is shocking to me. I, I, the only thing I can think, the only thing I can think with that line is people are way overvaluing Minnesota, but I, Colorado may not be as good as we think they are. But Nebraska did not look good. I mean, Nebraska's no. quarterback is just subpar. It's it, it's year one of a rebuild. They are not going to win a lot of football games. It is wild that that line has not moved. Yeah, and I mean, they get Matt Rule, and, and Vegas just thinks that they're just going to be a di- completely different team than what they've been the past 20 years. It's just it's it's wild to me. And that you, you the because you, when you're talking about a line like that, you're assuming another extremely close contest, number one, which yeah. is kind of funny to think, hey, Nebraska is going to be competitive again, but never win these games. But number two, it, it just doesn't feel like we're going to see this happen. I mean, I do we did we did anybody see anything against Minnesota <laughs> that says this Nebraska team is going to be good? I didn't. If you did, power to you. You're a bigger fan of the Cornhuskers than I am. But I saw nothing in this game that was like, ah, yeah, they're going to be competitive in the Big Ten year one. Matt rules, Matt rule. I think he'll figure it out. But they sure as shit ain't figuring out this year. The only reason I didn't take that pick was because we talked throughout that Colorado TCU game last year, uh, last week, and I wanted to minimize the Colorado yeah, talk, sure. considering how much Dion's been talking. But that is a fantastic pick, and it feels like you could just print money with that pick. I mean, yeah. you could just if with if that doesn't hit, we may do an entire segment on that pick. 
I would be I would be shocked. Uh, my last one here, and this is just I don't really understand this line. I I really don't um, because I I you know. I, both teams struggled in week one, admittedly. Both teams struggled in week one. But Arizona State, Oklahoma State, the line is three and a half. Look, Oklahoma State struggled in week one. They struggled mightily with Central Arkansas. Not a good sign. Won this game by 14. Um, Arizona, however, needed an absolutely insane finish to knock off Southern Utah. And they've already got the bull band going for them. We know the issues with Arizona State that exist. I don't think much of that coaching staff out there. I do respect what Mike Gundy's done at Oklahoma State. Three and a half. Maybe OSU is just bad. I thought they were going to be better than this. But I, I, if we're asking who's going to get up and after a struggle in week one and really knock somebody out, it ain't going to be Arizona State. I, I don't understand. I don't understand the three and a half. It, it, it feels more like an overreaction to week one more than anything else because all offseason we all knew Arizona State was going to suck. Yeah. And maybe Oklahoma State wasn't predicted to be great, but we all knew. I mean, the jokes when they announced the uh, the self-imposed bow ban right, wrote themselves. Like, you're not it, uh, uh, rejecting an invitation you were never going to get. I mean, like, it, it, it just feels odd to me that we saw a tough opening game and then we're like, okay, we're just – we're just not going to trust Oklahoma State the rest of the year. I don't. I. I don't get it. I don't like it. Give me Oklahoma State minus three and a half. I could not agree more. I'm glad that you picked this because I almost did, and and I'm glad that we're talking about it. I could not agree more. There's nothing about Arizona State's one off season, two end of their season last year, and three week one matchup that made me think that 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 like this line should even be close. Um, uh, it, it's it's a late night game, so maybe if you struggle through the day, maybe this is the game you could chase on. Um, so. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break here before we get into our game, our prop bets. I And remember, the prop bets that you're going to hear coming up after the break are not just your tradition on prop bets. These could be over-unders as well. We're going to also talk after that the big games of the week where we're going to break down the, the current standings after week one and our new five top Power 5 games of the week. Where Chris and I will go head-to-head to pick all that coming up next. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Okay, guys, welcome back. We're going to be talking prop bets. Like I said before the break, these are not necessarily always your traditional prop bets. We do include over-unders in here. Like I said, in week one, some of the prop bets are starting to develop more and more each week with DraftKings in particular. This is where I go to find them if you're wondering where am I getting these from. But the over-unders are usually offered on every single line. If you're somebody who, like us, considers these you know, a bit more proppy and you don't really like the, the, the college football prop bets that you can find being offered. now. 
These bets are going to be pretty. I, I like to think of these bets as being throwaways. These are for your true diehard degenerates or people who are just having a terrible day picking against the spread and want to try something different to try to make back some of their losing. Chris, as always, you're going to be going first here. What's the first one you took? Uh, so I took Utah um, and Baylor, the over for 47 and a half. Um, I feel like that's pretty low considering Utah scored 30, what was 37, 37 points on Florida a mid-tier U, um, SEC team um, with a back, and they did it with a backup quarterback. Um, and then Baylor, I just think that they're going to have a big chip on the shoulder and they're going to come out guns a-blazing. Um, they also scored quite a bit of points, too, in their loss um, against Texas State. So I, I just think these overs are hitting. We're seeing it a little bit. I, I mean, they're not hitting a lot. It's still more unders and overs, but but these overs are hitting, and this just feels like a game where, where this is going to be you know, one of those – ones that's going to fool us like it's you know and 47 is it's pretty low for college football in my opinion. and i i think that that over under is set on the idea that utah is going to crush baylor that that that's the only thing i can think of is that vegas is betting on the fact that utah is going to go out and just 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 crush baylor and take them completely out of the game yeah that was gonna be my question do you think that's a vegas line or do you think that's that's like I mean, do you, I, I don't know. Do you think that's a realistic in terms of like game analysis? Do you think, or do you think Vegas is just taking the the momentum of last week? I I think Vegas is buying what is Cam Rising back for this. I I haven't seen. I still haven't heard, and you know what? We probably won't know until an hour before the game, like we always do. Let me put it this Utah. way: Vegas is banking on number one that Baylor did not handle at all well texas state from a defense uh from a uh, pressure standpoint yeah. texas state had a hell of a time just bringing pressure on baylor over and over and over again baylor's offensive line crumbled that was that was big game busters for them that's what allowed texas state to get this win utah is a whole other beast defensively i think they're assuming that baylor's going to struggle i think they're also assuming that even if cam rising doesn't play just sheer game math says that if baylor's not scoring and utah's only putting up 28 you're probably not going to break 47. However, if Cam Rising plays in this game, number one, this line is completely off. If news of that breaks before the game, which it won't, it won't. Let's be honest here. Kyle Winham hates gamblers. He hates Mm -hmm. us with a passion. But if news of that were to leak, this over-under would be a lot higher just on the back of Utah. I think you're right, though. I think this is a game that comes out. Baylor has to prove something this week, and I find it hard to believe they're not going to score – 21 28 and push utah just a bit and we'll see what those backup quarterbacks of utah are are made of in another week um you know i thought they looked fine against florida Mm -hmm. nothing special did good job managing that game did a good job letting florida just self-destruct around itself so i i think that that over under is kind of tasty for college football at 47 i mean hell if utah runs away with this game they could really this could get out of hand fast you know you could see like a 49 point uh uh 49 Utah alone kind of deal. If this really is Baylor just can't get off the mat. So, you know, this, I think that's Vegas overreacting a bit. I think it's concern over what can, what's happening with Cam Rising. Yeah. And, and I mean, you could feel in the fourth quarter, like Utah was just trying to get that game over with. Like they were coasting, they were just like trying to bleed the clock. So obviously the score was only 24 points, but like, I, I mean, y- you said it best, like those backup quarterbacks manage the game, but if, Baylor can put up a little bit more of a fight than Florida. Who knows? But I, I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But I, I, I felt like that was juicy. 
I like it. I like it a lot. I like of all the over-unders. I think, you know, assuming 47 in college football is always a safe. Anything in the 40 range that isn't a military academy or Iowa, you got some questions about. Um, Houston. We got Houston versus Rice. I took a prop bet on this one. Houston is minus 180 on longest touchdown of the day. Rice is bad offensively. I mean, that 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 JT Daniels is doing a shitty job <laughs> at quarterback out there. They're not going to move the ball well against Houston. They'll move it better than they did against Texas because Houston's not on Texas's level defensively. But Houston is absolutely going to have the longest touchdown in this game. And to see this not creep into the minus 200 range for Houston feels like good value from a betting perspective. So I like that one. Nice. All right. All right. I, I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. He he was terrible in the first. I mean, but what do you expect the, uh, from a Rice football program? You know, I mean, I, Rice is a baseball school, you know, like I, I just said, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not expecting much from them in, in these like power five conference games that. No, and here's the thing. Rice and Houston has not been competitive the last, I think it's seven years. Houston's won it and won easily in most of these. This used to be a big rivalry back in the day, yeah. um, the IU Bucket, but the, the Rice is still trying to figure out how to how to manage the huge deficiencies in spending and attention and all kinds and fan support. You know, that fan base has dwindled to nothing and the, the school has changed its priorities. And it's just it's just not a good football program right now. And they're looking to get better. And I think they're getting better. But JT Daniels really was the letdown against Texas. I mean, he just wasn't just not good. Um, Rice did a good job managing Texas offensively, kept them in the game, allowed them to cover. By the way, I picked up a backdoor cover of Rice, Texas. And I was really excited about that. Nice. So I was happy with that one. But they're not going to do it. Um, what you got, Chris? What's your next one? Uh, Notre Dame, uh, versus North Carolina state. Um, I think this game is going to go under it's at set at right now at 50 and a half. I'm just not sold on either of these teams, man. I'm just not. I mean, like Sam Hartman last week, they won 56 to three, I guess like they pulled him out earlier, but he only went 14 for 17, uh, or he only threw through 17 passes. Sorry. I, I, I just, I don't know if they don't, if they have a high flying offense, really. I know he looked amazing against Navy in that first game. They played Tennessee State last game. I, I, there's just not enough sample size of like good football there to for me to really analyze it. And I think that Hartman was really like the big talk of the town because it was week zero. There's no other games on really to watch. There's not really much sports going on until football starts. So like everybody like blew it out of proportion. Like oh this kid like maybe he should be in the talk for the Heisman. I, but I I just can't get a read on Notre Dame. Uh, I, same thing with with North Carolina. Like I mean I know North Carolina State. Sorry, I know that like the ACC played pretty well last week, but like nothing I saw in their game last week would like make me get feel any you know good about about betting them in general. So I just think this line is way too high. I'm I, I think it's inflated because of because Notre Dame has just put up a crap ton of points the past two weeks. Look, you, you're talking Notre Dame and it, I, I they've got a quarterback at that spot who's really experienced and everybody's really high on, but they haven't played competition that makes me feel good yet. And to to, to be assuming Notre Dame is just going to continuously score a lot of points all the time look, that's what they're counting on. I mean, they brought that kid in out of Wake Forest specifically because they wanted to revamp what they're doing offensively, and the early returns have been great. But who, who was week two for Notre Dame? Uh, it was Tennessee State. Tennessee State. Uh, the, the, 
Tennessee State and Navy are just not good football teams, guys. And, like, it's hard to make any long-term predictions about when a Notre Dame's going to do based on those two games. Honestly, I almost, like, I, when I look at Notre Dame right now is until they play somebody for real and I get a sense of what they're actually made of, I don't like to touch them at all. But for these kind of bets, I think it's it's safer to always just go with Whatever you think about Notre Dame's fair at this point of the year, you 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 can't be wrong because if you're somebody who's like, oh, this offense is for real, Navy's not a pushover, even though they're terrible. Like whatever you believe, go with it. But go with your, I think going with your gut on Notre Dame is fair, and I I haven't seen a lot from Notre Dame yet to really know what that offense is made of and what that team's made of overall. But I got to say, the Fighting Irish faithful are really hoping those early turns are for real because that kid, if he is all that in a bag of chips. I'm, I'm not seeing a lot of conversation about Notre Dame in the college football playoff, but there may need to be some brewing if that kid is as good as he's been the first two weeks, um, because that'd be a hell, hell of a show for them. Uh, my la- my second one is Illinois versus Kansas. The over-under is 56 and a half. Ladies and gentlemen, there is not a Big Ten football team on in, in any matchup that is capable of participating in a game that's going to get the 56 and a half. I looked at that one too, Megan. I looked at that one too, yeah. I can't use a good offense. Illinois is a big 10 team. It's going to be a slugfest. Expect the total team points to be somewhere in the forties. Why are we assuming big 10? This makes shit makes no sense to me. I mean, we just talked about some of these over unders and how it feels low for Utah Baylor. And then you've got a big 10 power football offense versus a Kansas team that nobody really knows what they're going to do this year. And you're just like, ah, that's going to be a barn burner. Like that. I, Bullshit. I'm calling the under on the Big Ten until I have a reason not to. I'm calling the under on any military academy in the Big Ten until somebody not named Ohio State shows up and plays offensive football. That's all I'm saying. And if you disagree with me, betting populace, then you're clearly a Big Ten fan, and I don't want to talk to you anyways. I don't want to talk to Big Ten fans. They, they have to watch bad football. It, that run that Kansas went on last year was great. It was fun. wasn't realistic. I... Yeah, Big Ten football is not it's not an offensive machine. I I don't I don't that I saw that too and I was like this is fucking high. I what is going on here? Um for my last one, so you brought it up. So the Texas State uh uh UTSA, what do you think the over under did you see it? What do you think the over under was for that? I didn't see it, but I'm going to guess here because I Please I do. think Texas State just put up a lot of points on Baylor. UTSA had a pretty good showing offensively. I'm going to say they gave it at 60. I'm going to say they put it at 60. 65 and a half. Jeez, I, that's absurd to me. It's absurd. It is absolutely absurd, dude. I get it. They 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 played a couple of hell of a games last week. Like, good for them. They it was a fun run. Texas State, great job. You 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 did you did your your job in making that a competitive game. But sixty five and a half. This 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 over under is inflated because of what both of, both of the teams did last week. It's it, that it's simple as that. There's no way I'm going over on this one. I'm taking under, and I'm probably gonna hammer it. Look, I I think this could be a high scoring game, but you're talking about a really high scoring game to get the over, and it could happen. It could happen. Maybe Texas State, if Texas State covers, which I think they're going to do, this is going to be a competitive football game. Coming off a win against Baylor, they scored forty plus. Uh, UTSA had a good showing offensively week one. Uh, uh, later in that game, in fact, I want to see real quick what that final score was. Uh, Thirty seventh. No, trying to find it. 
I'll find it here in a minute. But the point being is it is an overreaction to what um, what happened in this game, you know, because yeah. there there is actually, excuse me, I was wrong. I was thinking about last year. Those two teams met this year. The offenses were terrible. 17 to 14 was the final. Um, so, you know, I in particular, I think this is just an overreaction to what Texas State did. I think this is an assumption that UTSA is going to show up offensively. I think we're making a lot of ifs and a buts and candy nuts for a 66 over under I'm not saying it's free money, but it feels like free money. I, it just feels like free money. It feels like as close as you're going to get to free money this week, at least. Like it's it when I saw that, I just there's no way I, I couldn't talk about it on this spot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My last one here, and this is just because I think this game's going to go one of two ways. The total team touchdowns for Texas Tech, Oregon is eight and a half. I'm taking the over on this. Either one of two things is going to happen in this football game. Either Oregon is going to absolutely run away with this, just absolutely run away with this, or at home, at night in Lubbock, this is going to be a real game. And based on how game flow works for these kind of situations, based on both teams offensively, it's going to have to be a real gun, uh, real shootout for this to be competitive. So I, I, I don't have confidence in Texas Tech's offense right now. Tyler Shuck was embarrassingly bad against Wyoming after the first quarter. The entire offense was embarrassingly bad after the first quarter. But look, if, if Oregon State runs away with this one, they could do it on their own. Uh, and, and if it's a, a competitive football game, it feels like we're going to see a lot of points scored in that instance. It's a night game in Lubbock. These games tend to be very, very wild just on history's uh, – historically. So I, I, I'm not saying I feel hundred percent great about that one, but it's a fun prop bet, and it's going to be a fun, it should hopefully be a fun bounce back game for tech to at least make a showing of it against a, t- a highly rated Oregon team. I'm not saying I love it. I'm not saying it means that tech is going to be really in this game, but you could lose this one easy 56, 21 and get over eight and a half TD. So I, I think that it, it's a, if, if you're talking the touchdown total bets I saw, I like it just because it's aggressive. It's a way to make up some cash towards the end of the evening. If you're down, maybe you can hedge on this one. The line, we're going to talk about the line to this game. It's pretty insane considering what happened in week one. Um, so maybe you can, you know, hedge your hedge your bets a bit in this game, kind of working uh, depending on how, if you feel like we, I think we're both going to feel about this line. So I like it. I don't love it, but I think it's a fun one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll get into more about that when we talk about the spread, but I, I, uh, I mean, Oregon scored that alone by themselves last week. I hate to keep referencing last week, but like, that's the only sample size that we have is last week. Yeah. Game. And Oregon did it by himself. In yeah. Oregon's going to be good offensively, could be great <laughs> yeah. offensively. And Texas tech defensively is kind of a bit of a, a, a nebulous black hole, very thin and linebacker got thinner. This is going to be a high scoring game. It, it has to be either Oregon runs away with it or tech is in it. In both instances, this is, could be a, a shootout or a blowout. Eight and a half feels good. Now we're on to the fun part. This is the game of the week. This is Chris and I go to head to head. We call these games against the spread. We try to take one game from each power five conference. That is the biggest game of the conferences week. Non-conference, it gets a little messier because these teams tend to be playing each other and that's what makes it the big game is you got back big 10 sec etc current standings chris and i had a pretty decent week both of us ended up ahead i'm at four and one chris is at three and two the difference in last week's games came down to the florida utah game uh cam rising did not play 
but Utah managed to find a way to cover anyways because it guys Florida may be the worst coach team in America America <laughs> and Billy Napier should be shot to the sun for some of the stuff we saw. I mean, they were just completely ill prepared and it cost Chris mightily because they should have been in that football game all the way to the end. Uh this week we're gonna start us off Wisconsin and Washington State is our opener. Look. I've said it all year. The storylines around Washington State are very, very tasty. Wisconsin, a very good football team. The over-under on this game is 58.5, by the way, if you're kind of inclined to take my advice on Big Ten. But the spread is Wisconsin's a six-point favorite. Chris, I'm going to let you go first here. Who'd you take in this first one? I took Washington plus 6.5. Nothing I saw from Wisconsin last week would make me confident in just in general the way that their football team runs. I mean, it was a it was pretty much dead even with Buffalo until um like the fourth quarter and then then and then they started to run away with it. I I I look, I think Luke Fickle is a good coach. Um this is an interesting situation he's in. Um but I, I mean, Washington State, I'm trying to look up last week's score. Yeah, they scored 50 points and their quarterback went off. I'm trying to pull it up right now. Uh, he went off for, let's see. Sorry. Uh, anyway, it, 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 Washington State surprised everybody last week. Um, they played really well against Colorado State. Um, Cameron Ward, he had 451 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, 13 attempts on the ground, 40 yards and a touchdown. So the guy just absolutely went off. He's he's an offensive threat, in my opinion. I know it's Colorado State. I know they're kind of like, you know, I mean, they're in the Mountain West. They're a mid-major, mid-tier t- team in that conference. But that conference, I feel like, the past few years has been uh, a lot better um, than most mid-majors, a lot better than a lot of American conference teams, especially now that all those, those heavy hitters in the American conference moved over to the Big 12. Um, and I'm just kind of in on the Pac-12. They went 12 and 0 last week. Like it's hard not to be like confident with a Pac-12 tw- team going into this week, at, at least to cover the spread. So I took Washington State plus six and a half. I took them too, and the reason why is number one. I'm not sold on Luke Fickle year one in Wisconsin. And yeah. number two, you mentioned it. Colorado State was picked to finish towards the back half of Mountain West, but you took care of business in a big way. You know, you won this game comfortably. Great quarterback play. Wisconsin, it's just hard. It's hard. I really don't like the Big Ten in these kind of games. I just really, really don't. Um, Wisconsin ran away with this game late. It was very close to the first half. They were only up uh, uh, only up four points in the first half, then used a big third quarter to, to basically take over the game. But still, they only won by 21 against Buffalo. And it, it just doesn't feel like a great Wisconsin football team. And the, 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 I am getting the sense that Washington State may be a lot better than we think. And, you know, I, I'm not saying necessarily that Washington State is going to go out there and win this game. But if it's extremely competitive, six and a half means within a touchdown, uh, a couple field goals, you're getting that win. So I took Washington State as well. And besides, I'm, I'm really not a Pac-12 guy. But I do think that the storylines around Oregon State and Washington State are interesting. I think those teams are playing extremely motivated football this year. And I think that in this early part of the year where you're still trying to we're still as batters trying to figure out who's doing what for real. Motivation is as good of a reason as any to take a team. And I, I think that this is a good one. I think this is a good one. Maybe not the safest bet, but it is a good bet to make is to take Washington State six and a half. 
our next matchup. This is the game of the week for uh, Texas Tech, Oregon. This is a Pac-12, Big 12 matchup. Uh, really, when we talk about this football game, the big glaring red light flashing nonsense is the fact that Texas Tech went to Laramie and just fell apart. Dominated the first quarter, rushed out to a 17 to nothing game, did everything they wanted to offensively, defensively, ate up the Cowboys. They then proceeded to play three straight quarters of bad football. And the, the, I watched this game, um, you know, obviously covering Texas Tech for the Cotton Club crew, watched this game closely. I've watched the film. I've watched the film a few times. I keep coming away with the same thing. Tyler Shuck as a quarterback has a lot to prove this week against Oregon. I, I, and, and here's what's insane about this game to me. Um, and this is where, as a better, I think there's huge value. If you're not somebody who's got a real rooting interest in either of these teams, this line's six and a half. And the reason it is six and a half is exclusively because this game is being played in Lubbock. And because Texas Tech is expected to try to punt, get off the mat a bit. But I have no reason personally to think that this game could be that close. I mean, just Tech was manhandled by Wyoming through the second half of this game, through into overtime. A bad – that Wyoming quarterback is legitimately dog shit fucking awful at football. I have seen bad <laughs> quarterback play in my lifetime. That kid can't throw. He's not particularly fast. He was just – he literally just out-toughed them. I mean, that was it. They left guys running wide open in the middle of the field, and he hit them for about 50% of the time. He's an awful quarterback, and Tech couldn't stop him. Bo Nix is a very good quarterback. Tech is going to have issues. Defensively, the Red Raiders lost uh, Jacob Rodriguez for this game. Linebacking group's getting thin. Defensive line generated very little pressure against Wyoming. Granted, Wyoming's a pretty good offensive line unit, but Tech should have been able to find some sort of way to get pressure outside of Blitzen. I think they only had one sack in this game. Offensively, like I said, Tyler Shuck struggled mightily. Balls were thrown low release point. I, I think four or five balls were batted down. Uh, he threw a pick. He has no arm strength to throw out routes. For whatever reason, our offensive coordinators decided out routes are God's gift to football, despite the fact Shuck can't throw them. Um, starting running back only touched the ball 11 times in this game. Tyler Shuck ran it 15 fucking times. I mean, it's just a poorly coached offensive football team right now. And the line is six and a half. I took Texas Tech just because I never bet against my own self-interest. I never bet against my own self-interest. I never have, never will. So I took Texas Tech in this game. But at six and a half, that that's insane to me. That is insane to me that this didn't go up much higher. And I do not feel good about that pick at all. That is a homer pick, and because I won't root against my own happiness. You, what would what did you expect this line to be after that Texas Tech twenty one plus? Seriously, this wow. is a top fifteen Oregon team that made a wow. statement in week one. Texas Tech went into Laramie, which is a tough place to play. Don't get me wrong; I mm -hmm. think this football team could get a lot better week to week. But you're telling me that Vegas looked at what Tech did against Wyoming and was like, "Yeah, they're playing top fifteen Oregon." It's within the margin of error of a touchdown. I mean, I saw thought this was going to blow up. I thought it opened the year early. Early predictions I saw from um, some of the power indexes said Oregon was about a fourteen point favorite. I thought that was at the minimum, but I could have easily seen this being a 20-point spread. If it was that big, it would be much, much safer to take Tech. 14 even would have been much, much safer to take Tech. It's hard to play in Lubbock. It's a dangerous place to come at night. It's going to be a sold-out crowd. It's going to be a team that has a lot to prove. But six and a half, I mean, if Oregon is even at close to as good as they're supposed to be, because Texas Tech isn't. 
right? Like, I, I, I love this team. I'll be rooting for this program. But you can't do what you did in Laramie and then turn around and expect me to keep buying that we are that you are who you say you are because you are what the product in the field says. And the product in the field says you played weak, mentally weak, bad football for 75% of a game. And then despite that, still should have won just because your opposition was bad. They missed three, I think, what was the final? Three or four field goals. Had one blocked, one before half for the clock. Clock operator screwed you, and then he doinked one from 50 yards out. I mean, it, you still should have won the damn game. And that's that's how bad Wyoming is offensively. And you, you couldn't get it done. So, you know, I, I'm going to be mad about this game. Even if Tech has a fantastic year, really gets up off the mat, just slings way above its weight, competitive Big 12, I'll be mad about the outcome of that game forever because Zach Kitley has some apologizing to do for how badly he managed that <laughs> offense. That, you guys, like Iowa rightfully takes a lot of heat for its offensive. Watch what happens when you have a legitimately great receiving core, great running backs, great tight ends, and elect to use basically none of them because your quarterback can't really throw the routes you're calling for him. The tight ends were targeted three times in this game. Mason Tharp is 6-9, and we couldn't get him the ball. You're telling me against a Wyoming defense that had nobody that tall. We couldn't find their starting corner, their best cover corner, gets hurt in this game. There was nobody on that field as tall as Mason Tharp, and we couldn't just park him in the middle of the field and pick up 15 yards at a chunk, which is what Wyoming did. That was literally how they scored in overtime was that kid sat in the middle of the defense because we didn't have a linebacker who could get there and somebody busted on the coverage. I, I could talk about this game forever. Six and a half. If you're not taking Oregon, you're only doing it because you're a Tech fan. I'm sorry. I love Texas Tech. I'll be rooting for Texas Tech. I never pick against my self-interest, but I have a fiduciary obligation to tell you guys six and a half is crazy <laughs> until tech proves otherwise six nine he's playing the wrong sport i just want to say that um i yeah it's six and a half i'm taking oregon to cover six and a half easily i look i i know this isn't the heisman talk podcast um i think that comes out on tuesdays but i'm gonna just give a little <laughs> preview now there are six contenders for the heisman trophy i think after week one four of them are in the pac 12 obviously michael Penix, who put up the most insane stat line ever. I get it. It was, I mean, Boise State is a a Division One FBS team, but 450 yards and five touchdowns in the air, like that is just insane. Obviously, Travis Hunter, who was a story, them in Colorado, the story of week one. Um, Caleb Williams, the returning Heisman, but Bo Nix, and Bo Nix has been flirting around this ever since he, ever, ever since he was recruited to Auburn. And, you know, he left Auburn, decided to go to, to Oregon, uh, and and kind of change it up. You know, that Auburn team was kind of going nowhere, and he wanted to go to a contender. The guy was 23 for 27 last week. He was on it. He's always been a super accurate quarterback. He threw three touchdowns, almost had 300 yards. I mean, this offense is electric. 81 points. I know it's Portland State, which is an FCS team, but 81 points, that is absurd. To think that they're not going to cover six and a half against a team that just – shit the bed week one. I mean, you're out of your mind. On top of that, they have an amazing run game. They just ran the ball down people's throats um, last week, too. I just – I said this at the beginning of the season, not on this pod, but I said this at the beginning of the season. USC is getting all the flash in the rankings because they have the Heisman Trophy winner. Oregon, I think, is the best team in the Pac-12, and I think that they will win the Pac-12. I think it will be between I, – I, I mean, I, I don't know. I have to look it up, but I think – I think it would be the Pac-12 championship game will be Oregon and Washington. It'll be these head guys going head-to-head who are going to be hopefully Heisman finalists. Probably not. Probably just one of them will. 
and it will be electric end of the Pac-12 season. Oregon's going to win this game, and it's going to keep them moving, keep them going up the rankings. Um, six and a half is a no-brainer for me. Yeah, I'll say it again, right? Like I, the only reason I take Texas Tech is because I have to believe that this program is going to figure it out. Yeah. But I, I, I'm a show me kind of guy, and Texas Tech showed me something I really didn't want to see. So if you're not taking Oregon six and a half, look, if Texas Tech wins this football game, it changes the whole calculus for how I view them all year. It's in love. It. It's a crazy place to go play. This could turn into a contest if Tech can find some of the juice they had. But it feels like Vegas is overvaluing what Tech was supposed to be and not what actually happened. But we'll see. They seem to know some things. We could come back and find out. I lucked my way into it just by being a homer. We'll find out. This next one is Texas versus Alabama. Game day will be at this one. Uh, Look. Both of these teams are teams that we're going to be talking about in the college football playoff, potentially. I hate to say that for Texas, but that's where they're supposed to be. Um, That's just reality. They are supposed to be in the college football playoff discussion because they are supposed to win the Big 12. Now, the Horns did not necessarily take care of business against Rice. Rice did cover the spread in that game. Texas controlled it more or less from the offset. They struggled early a bit trying to consistently move the ball the offense continues to look like it may be the liability for this team defensively they ate rice alive jt daniels a bad quarterback alabama on the flip side played who cares and took care of business you know i I, it's hard to really um say much about alabama that hasn't been said already considering their contest was middle tennessee they were never challenged great we learned nothing about alabama i think we learned a little bit about texas but This is the first real show for both these teams to show who's for real. Is Nick Saban starting to fade? Um, Is the dynasty at Alabama winding to an end, or is Nick Saban going to find a spark? Is Sarkeesian the guy to lead Texas into the SEC? Big opening contest. The line I've seen for this game is uh, uh, seven. As of last check, seven and a half, I think now, according to DraftKings. Oh, it moved. Wow. So it's moving towards Alabama, it looks like, uh, because we had it earlier at seven. So, you know, that should tell you something about the betting public's confidence in Texas being back. I got the, I got Alabama in this one. I, I just I don't think Texas showed me uh, uh, kind of the same old, same old against Rice. I think Quinn Ewers underperformed a bit. I think that offense underperformed. I think that defense is going to have some issues. And I think Nick Saban's just a far better football coach than Sarkeesian. So I'm taking Alabama with plus seven and a half. I think the Saban's pissed this year. I think he just is. I think they're tired of hearing it from people that the dynasty's over, that Alabama's out of the picture, that it's now Georgia's time to shine, you know, and for good reason, not, not pretending it's not for good reason, but if you're Nick Saban, you definitely hear it. You're definitely tired of hearing it. Give me Alabama seven and a half making a statement. Yeah, I took Alabama too. I same, I don't, I, I'm not sold on, on Texas after last week's, performance Quinn Ewers I talked him up on this podcast but he I mean he was fine but he wasn't wasn't as impressive as I thought he was going to be I thought he was going to come in with a chip on his shoulder and he didn't look like it he looked like the same old Quinn Ewers um I and like I mean I've never been sold on Sarkeesian I never understood it when he was at USC he wasn't all that great and then he you know he goes and becomes Alabama's offensive coordinator and then everybody expects him to be like this changed man like everybody thinks that the promised land is you go to Alabama you coordinate for Nick Saban for a couple of years and then you're like this insane coach I mean I can only think of one coach who's, that's really worked out and that's Lane Kiffin you know, if you think of another one, let me know. I'm I, just off top. That's just off the top of my head. And I think that mm-hmm. says a lot about it right there. Uh, Alabama is still this machine. I don't know why we're talking about this the past couple of years. They didn't make it into the college football playoff last year. They had a, 
a bad quarter that pretty much kicked them out of that of that playoff last year. I think it's not even that Nick Saban isn't who he is anymore. It's just that everybody else is kind of like caught up a little bit. Georgia's kind of caught up a little bit in the recruiting ranks. TCU, I mean, not necessarily TCU, but all these other teams who have been competitive and who've been in the playoff past year, they've kind of figured out the transfer portal. The, the great thing about the transfer portal is it's even now college football. It's not the same four teams in the playoff every year. Uh, that used to drive me crazy as, as a college football fan because you want to – talk to your football f- friends about it, but they don't care. It's just like, oh, it's just Alabama's going to win next year and they're going to beat Ohio State. So, again, I, I still think they're the machine that they are. They're definitely a better machine than Texas. Seven and a half seems so easy. I think that Alabama's going to win by at least two touchdowns in this game. This next one, we're, we're going to be talking about another SEC team here, another team that a lot of people are pretty high on. A&M is taking on Miami. The spread of this game is four and a half. A&M took care of business uh, uh, last week. Granted, they were playing the New Mexico Lobos. Who really cares? <laughs> um, this is the kind of game that is a prove-it game. There's a lot of these early in the year, but this is a prove-it game for AM. Their fan base is wanting to see the continued good quarterback play. They want to see the offense continue to thrive. They want to see a I, – I hate to say it. They want to see a dominant win. Um, I'm not – Spain, I don't believe AM is better this year. Let me let me put that out there. But at the same time, I just I like Miami in this game because I think Miami, by the way, had a great opener, really took care of business against Miami of Ohio, 38 to 3, comfortable from the start, took care of it. Uh, uh, I had uh, actually had a prop bet in this game thinking Miami of Ohio would score a, t- a couple touchdowns. Did not. Miami cruised to victory. Not maybe not the quarterback position play they wanted to see uh uh but not bad he was 17 for 22 201 in the game that's van dyke one td one int nothing to write home about but not really something he needed to write home about i mean you just don't have to show off a ton of your offense a&m had a great opener took care of business against new mexico i really just don't like a&m i don't think they're as good as maybe they're hoping to be this year i'm going to take miami could be wrong on this one this is the pick i probably feel Look, I took Tech for obvious reasons, but this is the game in which I tried to figure it out that I feel the worst about because AM could be for real this season if Jimbo Fisher gets out of the way of his offense a bit and they see they continue to see improving quarterback play. But I, I just can't stand the Aggies. I'm going to take Miami, and we're going to find out which – Miami's trying to make a statement of their own. They really want to prove that they're in this conversation, the ACC, which suddenly looks like Florida State may be creeping towards the top of Clemson dethroned. So Miami trying to get in that conversation. So so, Chris, who you got in this one? I couldn't get a feel for this one. This one was tough for me. Um, I, I'm just like it, it. The past couple of years with Jimbo Fisher and seeing that he gets like that preseason top five rank, and then he just shits the bed every year. Like I just don't know what to think of him. And Miami ever ever since uh, ever since uh, Mario. Oh my god, I'm totally blanking on his last name. If you if you have it off the top of your head, let me know. Uh, is it Crystal Ball? Yeah, I, I don't know. Ever since he took over, it, it's kind of been a weird thing. I mean, he took over last year. They were pretty high ranked. The Air King was there, and then they kind of shit the bed again last season. This game's in Miami, so it kind of weighed me that way. But 
I believe Texas A&M hired a new offensive coordinator this past offseason. Is that is that right, or, is, or am I wrong? Yes, they went and grabbed. Oh, I'm blanking on his name. Because the uh, play calling was always the big issue with them, and 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 Jimbo Fisher has never really had a feel for they the hired coordinators Bobby there. Petrino, and there was a lot of debate right. over who's actually calling plays out there. I don't I don't follow A&M that closely to tell you what got settled, but Bobby Petrino is the offensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah, and I I want to say that this year might be a different year for A&M. Them because of that reason, they because good God, does Jim Fisher know how to recruit every year? He's got a top recruiting class. I don't know how he does it, especially after like getting one like was seven wins last year. Like, I don't know how you convince a kid to come to your team and play for this big program when you're you're just you're disappointing every year. But again, I couldn't get a, much of a feel for this game, so I'm going for things are turning around at AM. So I took them to cover four and a half. Like I said, I mostly I didn't have a great feel for this game or either. I think both these teams are still trying to prove something. I think, like I said, Miami wants to prove that they're in that conversation with Clemson souls no longer the top the toast of the ACC in Florida State within the state and a big rival of theirs trying to mu- muscle their way into that with North Carolina. A&M for their part is trying to prove that they can. I'm not saying you're playing for second, but if Alabama's as good as they, I think they are, you're playing for second. So yeah. I am trying to prove that they're relevant in the SEC again, right before Texas and Oklahoma make the jump over. Jimbo has paid a lot of money. He's got to prove it this year. But I, I, I that this is a tough one. This was the hardest one by far. Um, now our last game is the most. I think the one that has the most chance for just sheer hilarity. We've got the Cyhawk, <laughs> otherwise known as El Asico. We have Iowa versus Iowa State. This this series, this rivalry is as intense as any in college football. If you've never talked to either fan base, they hate each other. The over-under here is 36 and a half for good reason. Iowa State, I think, showed something against you and I that maybe they're not as bad as we all think, but also it was you and I, Iowa, of course, is exactly who we think they are. Great defensive football team, terrible offensively. I expect this to be close. I expect this to be a stupid game, and I expect this to end in really dumb fashion. Iowa's a four-point favorite. That's more than a field goal, so I took Iowa State. You know, I think Iowa's going <laughs> to win by a field goal because, of course, they will. You, anybody really predicting they score more than 10 points in this freaking game? I mean, it's just – I think they're going to beat Iowa State. I think they're going to do it in the back of a field goal. Give me the Cyclones to prove something. I think Iowa State's one of the worst teams in the Big 12, but I would love to see them do something in this one just because I'm so sick of how Iowa's handling this from the AD to the coaches down. What they've done to that program is a joke, not being able to figure it out offensively. This game is going to be dumb as hell. I wouldn't bet on it personally unless you had a reason to because, again, it's going to be dumb as hell. But if since we're doing this for the contest, it is a massive game for both conferences, the Big 12 and the Big 10, and a huge rivalry in general. We got to do it. Give me Iowa State getting four. Come on, Cyclones. Let's 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 prove once and for all that, that Iowa should just shut down its football program until they fire these staff. I. Uh, y- uh, I saw that over under 30. You had a, I thought I saw a 37 and a half, and I was it like, dropped oh. again, 36 and a half. Okay, I was like, oh, and then I was like, oh, no, I like it, 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 I don't, I don't know how year after year Iowa can be ranked so high 
and score so little points. Like it just drives me absolutely crazy. It was only two years ago where they were the number two rank, and I think it was like week five, but they always like find a way because their defense is so good to like muscle out these games. The line is interesting. I I, I took Iowa minus four. Because I just I I just feel like it's a lose lose either way. And again, yeah, like you said, I don't recommend to our listeners to bet on this game at all because it's just like not going to be interesting and there's not going to be it's just going to be stupid. It's it's just going to be stupid and it's going to be it's going to be probably mostly boring for the most part. Yeah, and this is the game. If you guys remember a few years ago, we've had we we've had this game end on field goals, dropped punts. Yeah. We had a couple years ago where the Iowa players ran, Iowa State players ran into each other. It's going to be seventeen to ten max. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a slog fest, and it's going to end because somebody does something unbelievably dumb. And that that's just maybe you're into that. This is the kind of game that where if you're a bit of a sadist, you watch this one and really get into it, which the folks out in Iowa have to be to enjoy these brands of football. It's going to be competitive, I think. But yeah, it, it's going to, I wouldn't touch this one with a 10 foot pole. These rivalry games are impossible to predict. The only reason I'm taking Iowa State is because I fundamentally think this game gets decided on a field goal. And I think that's, that's how it has to go. It just yeah. has to go that way. And it's going to be on my TV at some point because it's a rivalry game. Like, as much as I don't want to watch this game, it's, I'm going to end up watching it. Like, it's, it doesn't Let's make any sense the, at all. I want to see who's got the broadcast on this one because I want to see, will I, I, I was, I, been using YouTube, which has the multi view, and yeah. they don't let you pick your multi view. So I'm assuming it's going to be stuck. Well, no, in. you you can. I I could tell you offline, but you, you can. It, it's 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 a little bit of finagling. It's hard to find, but you can you can pick your multi view. Um, okay, we've got them at two thirty. It's on Fox, so it's going to be middle of the day. I don't know the rest of the schedule well enough to tell you what other games you could be watching, but that's going to be the game of that time slot. I'm willing to bet you could be watching Michigan versus UNLV on CBS. You could be watching Ole Miss versus Tulane on ESPN two, which actually might be a pretty good game. You can watch A and M versus Miami at at on ABC. That's about it. So yeah, you're gonna have really you're gonna be flip between A and M, Miami, Iowa State, Iowa. Yeah, one game is probably gonna be both games will be entertaining in different ways. Iowa State, uh, Iowa will be entertaining in the sense that I expect it will be close. It will not be entertaining in any other sense of that word. It's gonna be boring. Iowa plays a shitty brand of football. Uh, uh, A and M, Miami will be very entertaining. Both teams should be playing good football, hopefully. Hopefully we have a good game there. Hopefully that's a lot of fun. But anyways, like I said, I wouldn't touch this one if I didn't have to for this contest. That brings us to the end of our show. We'll be circling back up with you guys again next week to review how we all did. As a reminder, the opening week, I was at 4-1. Chris is at 3-2, and two, so it's still a very tight contest. Both I got two chances ahead. to get up on you next week, though. We and that, yeah, picks. this week we actually have yeah. a little bit more variety. Um, we're against each other on Oregon, Texas Tech, and what was the other one we split? Iowa, Iowa State, right? Iowa, Iowa State. Oh, and, and A&M in Miami. I, oh, I took split. A&M. We, we, this is a big week. This is a yeah. movers week. Yeah, this yeah. is the I week we're three, going to see Yeah. Uh, so this this could be a pretty great week for the contest, which is great. Last week, the only reason I split Florida-Utah uh, was because we were, we were in sync on every other game. Yeah. So I just took one to be different. So it's good this week we're having some disagreement giving you guys some interesting bets if you're wondering just for the sake of wondering how the prop bets and stuff are going feel free to let us know uh when we these these episodes are published you can just tweet at the fan first page if you have a comment there's a good chance i'll see it enjoy the week 
this we're, we're, we're I, I think this is a pretty fun week for everybody. Uh, we got some good games, some great rivalries, and some big moments, and some programs are really going to try to prove themselves. And for betters, we're going to learn a lot about our teams, and so will Vegas. So week three on is when the fun really begins from a betting perspective. Enjoy the weekend, guys. We will see you next week.